Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. As hard as it is to believe, we are in the last couple of days of the month of June July is on the doorstep, but Roger, we've been spending Fridays in June with James. This is the fifth of a five-part episode. First Friday of the month, June 2nd, we talked about the spirit of God's disciple. Friday number two, faith in action. Friday number three, taming the tongue. Last Friday, we talked about the danger of mixed allegiances and no mystery, one of the Basic reasons we spent these five Fridays in June in the book of James. It's got five chapters today. We are in James chapter five. Yes, and James chapter five, as you kind of look at that as a conclusion to this book, as a unit, he's going to talk a lot about our attitudes. And our attitudes are manifested several ways. Near the end of this chapter, he'll talk about those who are suffering or those who are cheerful, those who are sick, those who have sins. But at the front of this chapter, he talks about how they have treated others and how they have looked at wealth and their luxuries. And so the the ribbon running through this chapter, through all this, is their spirit or their attitude. And that's just so important as we consider what God wants us to do and how we're to manifest this. As we've said throughout this great study here is that uh, many of the things we see in the later chapters were first introduced in the first chapter. James kind of kind of gives us an overview in chapter one, and then each chapter follows, he kind of expounds upon that and kind of gives us more thoughts. And that's kind of how he concludes this book, by just giving us more details. There's several wonderful bullet points in here, too. Just here's what God's disciples need to do. And so that's kind of what we're going to look at today. Let's begin, first of all, Jason, by talking about why is attitude so important? Yeah, that word, I mean, we we throw it around all of the time. And maybe when we use that word, what we immediately think of is our feelings or our emotions. And certainly that, that comes into play. But as I understand it, the word itself really means in relation to something else, here is where I am. It's my position or my, my tendency, my, my orientation. Uh, in old English, we would hear about the attitude of a boat, for instance, in relation to land or the waves or uh, the attitudes of the sail of a boat would be adjusted. And all that that means is, okay, the wind is blowing let's say, east to west, we need to tilt the attitude of our sails in order to match that and and get the most out of it. You know, uh, the attitude of a door maybe depends on whether or not it's shut or open or how shut or open it is. All that it means is, okay, there's something going on around me what is my position in relation to that? What, how am I oriented? What is my tendency with this going on around? And so that's the reason a lot of times when we talk about attitudes, we talk about attitude 
toward something. I go to work and maybe everybody around me is in a bad mood. Well, okay, that's my environment. What is my attitude toward that environment going to be? Or in James chapter 5, we're going to hear about time. We're going to hear about riches. We're going to hear about laying up riches where that happens. We're going to talk about the coming of the Lord and suffering. Lots of things, obviously, in James chapter 5 that are beyond my control. But as you've brought out, what I can control is my attitude in relation to those things. Yeah, the the outside stuff happens to us. The inside is what we control. Yeah. And it's kind of like the thermostat in your house. It could be hot outside, you make it cool inside. It could be very cold outside, you make it warm inside. And so that's our attitudes. Now, we live in a culture where folks think the only thing that matters in religion is your attitude. Have a good attitude and nothing else really matters. And so we, we find people who really are not even following the Bible even closely, but they manifest in their minds a good attitude. What would you say to that? Well, <laughs> I, that is, of course, what Jesus is calling us to in the Sermon on the Mount. We know we've talked throughout this five-part series that so much of what James has to say really does show up or is is inspired by the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talked to us in that famous sermon about being persecuted. He talked about not having a whole lot of this world's good. He talked about uh, perhaps those around us who are rich in spirit, being far from the kingdom of heaven, but those who are poor in spirit, that is uh, the one to whom the kingdom of heaven belongs. He talked about mourning, hungering, and thirsting for righteousness. Again, we can't control what's going on around us on the outside, but we can control, okay, uh, there is conflict around me. He calls me to be a peacemaker. Such will be called a son or a daughter of God. There's all sorts of filthiness around me, but I can choose to be pure in heart and be blessed. And so this really is a call to, okay, the winds and the waves and the the floods may be rising, to borrow from the conclusion of his sermon, but is my attitude founded on the rock because I am seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So as we begin chapter five of James, one of the things we notice, and and this is kind of unique to the book of James, is James puts a little distance between him and the readers, particularly in this first sections. It is very common when we read Paul's letters that Paul uses the expression, we, uh, or in the book of Hebrews, let us. But what we notice as we just run through these first six verses is James is talking about you. He says in verse 1, you rich. Verse 2, your riches. Verse 3, your gold. Verse 4, your field. Verse 5, you have lived luxuriously. Verse 6, you have condemned. And so he's talking about a group of people over here that really haven't got it right with the Lord. And it's not a us or a we. You're doing some things that I'm not doing, yeah. and you need to get it right. Come yeah. now, he yes, begins. Absolutely. Yeah. Trying to get their attention, and it sure does read to me, 
just like the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus in Matthew 6, 19 said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Listen to this language, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is talking about what's going on the on the inside there your heart will be also well now years later james says come now you rich weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you what what sort of miseries is he talking about your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire you have laid up treasure in the last days it's like jesus gives the warning in his most famous sermon and now James is looking at real life people saying, you have failed to answer the call of the king. And what he does in verse four, five, and six is he he doesn't just make this general call. He makes some specifics here. He says in verse four, behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, which has been withheld by you. Well, that's a problem. They, you know, somebody comes and does work for you. You owe him the pay. They haven't been paying them. And then in verse 5, he talks about how they fattened their hearts in all their luxury. And then in verse 6, you've condemned and put to death the righteous man. So so in this, what we're seeing is really two two running attitudes. Number one, how they viewed other people, and that wasn't the way the Lord taught them. The Lord has not taught us to be uh, cruel to other people. The Lord has not taught us to be stingy toward other people. But then their only attitude about riches uh, that's, I think, what's driving all this. Their attitude towards riches made them just cheat people out, and that was going to come back and get them, as the Lord was aware of these things. Yeah, it is the very opposite of the golden rule. And so it is interesting how he speaks directly, sharply, to people who are absolutely on the wrong track. But then in verse seven, he speaks, as you mentioned now, uh, before in verse one, it was you rich. Now in verse seven is brothers. He's speaking to his brethren and you can't control the way anyone else treats you. In this case, maybe it is those who are rich taking advantage of the poor, those who are powerful overlooking and taking for granted those who are weak in the eyes of society. But he does give us several different action words that are really going to set the sail of our hearts, if you will. I just jotted down a couple, and Roger, let me just ask you what what you think the power of these is. I We see in verse 7, be patient. It's repeated in verse 8. Middle of verse 8, establish your hearts. Verse 9, don't grumble or complain. Verse 12, don't swear. Verse 13, pray. And so we've got kind of a five-part prescription there. What what do you think the power of be patient on our attitude is? Well, what, what he's showing us here is really, in some ways, just a contrast to what 
he just said before, as he talked about those who were rich and was taking advantage of others, you on the other side, you're going to be patient and the Lord's coming. And so you're going to just have the right heart, the right spirit, the right attitude as it does this. Again, in contrast to these earlier verses, verse seven says, brethren, verse nine, brethren, verse 10, brethren, verse 12, brethren, over and over, he's talking to the brethren there and saying, this is how we're going to be. The rich are this way. The rich are doing things that shouldn't be doing. But you, rather, you're going to be patient. You're going to believe in the, in the promises of God. You're going to trust in the promises of God. The Lord said he's coming. You're going to do that. And so he gives some illustrations. Here in verse 7, the illustration of the farmer. The farmer plants in the spring, and he waits. And he has to wait. And he has to wait until the fall before he can harvest. He doesn't plant one day, and the next day he goes out and gets to harvest. No, there's a, there's a patient period. There's a growing season. And so he reminds these simple people who might have been farmers, this is exactly what we have to do spiritually when it comes to the Lord. All right. So the Lord is coming. He emphasizes in verse 7 and in verse 8. What do you make here in the middle of verse 8? Establish your hearts. Yeah, other other translations use the word strengthen. Strengthen. Uh, Be strong. Um, The coming of the Lord is near is how verse 8 ends. And so, so, you know, I I think what I'm saying is, you know, times may be tough. And in patience, sometimes everyone around us is growing impatient. And it makes us become kind of restless. Strengthen your heart. Be strong. Establish that heart. It's the idea of putting an anchor down. It's the idea of being set, as Colossians 3 would say. Set your mind on things above. That's what the disciple's doing. He He is one who is strengthen his heart. And that strong heart is going to get him through these different seasons. Yeah, I love thinking of it as an anchor. I can't control the direction of the wind. I can't adjust the attitude of my sails, right? And I can drop an anchor in this truth. Jesus is alive. Jesus reigns. Jesus is going to come again. What about the action word in verse 9 or the the, the call to avoid grumbling or complaining? Yeah, do not complain, brethren, against one another. Boy, that's that just needs to be posted on the wall somewhere, you know? <laughs> Multiple um, walls. <laughs> it does. I mean, that's that that's just our times we live in. I mean, we walk in a church building, somebody says, it's too hot. The next person walks in, it's too cold. And this isn't right. And that's not right. And and we complain about the weather. We complain about the traffic. Traffic. We complain about prices. And, and, and pretty soon we find out we're just a complaining group of people. And we remind ourselves in the book of 1 Corinthians, that's what got ancient Israel in trouble with God. Every day, God was feeding them a miracle. He's feeding them manna from above, but they grumbled and they complained, and most of that generation did not make it to the promised land. So what James is saying is, don't complain against one another. Um, so you will not be judged. God, God doesn't have a place for us complainers. So, so we need to understand how important that is. And I love how verse 9 ends, the judge is standing right at the door. Yeah. I mean, he's been telling us the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. Now he's right at the door. It's it's as if, you know, two kids are doing something they shouldn't be doing, and they look up, and mom's right there in the doorway. You know, mom sees that. And how are you going to change your behavior? Because mom's right here. Well, that's kind of what he's saying spiritually. 
Um, we need to be thankful for each other. We need to be helpful for each other. We need to be there for each other. And when we complain, we divide and separate. And that's, that's not the way of the Lord. Yeah. The Lord who is, who reigns, who is coming is described at the end of verse 11 as compassionate and merciful. How powerful. What a a powerful description for us to carry with us into the weekend. What about number four? Don't swear in verse 12. What does swearing have to do with all of this? Yeah, you know, so, you know, our word swear has two different meanings. We, we may think of saying a bad word, cuss word, you know, he swore, we may say. Uh, that's not what this is talking about here. Uh, the, the, the verse explains itself by saying, either by heaven or earth or with any other oath. And so, so it's the idea of uh, someone who doesn't think he's trustworthy. I, I promise you I'm telling you the truth. I swear I'm telling you the truth. Um, you know, and he ends this verse by saying basically that your yes be yes, your no, no, quoting exactly from Jesus in the Gospels. Right. And so we should be a person where we're trustworthy. If I say I'm going to be there, I need to be there. If I say I can't, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. But but you got to be a person of your word. You shouldn't have to put your hand on the stack of Bibles, stand on your mother's grave, all those little cliches we've used to say. But just my word counts. I'm a person of my word. And so this is bringing about integrity. This is bringing about an attitude of honesty. And so among my brethren, I'm not going to complain, but I'm going to be one who keeps my word and be trustworthy. All right. Last action word really launches from verse 13 all the way down through verse 18. Pray. What difference can prayer make on our attitudes? Well, you know, prayer... prayer invites God, and prayer lifts our eyes off the problem to the Lord. You know, Peter had a problem when he was walking on the water. He saw the wind and the waves. He started to sink. When we look at our problems, we start to sink. But when we pray, we, we open up heaven's help. God's greater than we are. God knows things we do not know. And so by offering that prayer to God, we're inviting God to help us. And we're dependent upon God. And that just changes the whole scenario of what we're going through. Uh, when we're faced with difficulties, God is there. And prayer will help us through all those things. Roger, the last several years, you have published a Friday Five, and those are always great little bullet point lists. They're published on social media every Friday at noon. But it strikes me this is another Friday Five that we can carry with us into the weekend. We all need constant work and tweaking, just like trimming sails on a sailboat is a constant work in progress. Attitudes also, but what powerful calls to action in James 5. Number one, be patient. Number two, establish your hearts. Number three, don't grumble. Number four, don't swear. Number five, pray. Absolutely. And, and you know, you could stick up five fingers and right there they are. If you could, how easy those are to memorize. And, and some of them are positives. Here's what we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be patient. We're supposed to be prayerful. Some of them are negative. Don't complain uh, would be one of those. And so uh, as you think about these action points, they're really going to set the tone of life and how we get through a day. And so as I'm off to work today, I'm off to different places, uh, be patient. 
Uh, there's going to be lots of things that try that patience, but need, need to be patient. Patience will lead to not complaining. And so those two kind of fit together. And, and the strengthening of your heart will help you from complaining. And the idea of being trustworthy will help you with all these things. So that it's just great little section here that James ends this great book with. June with James. Uh, this has been, you know, when you take about 20 minutes times five, Roger, we've, we've spent more than an hour and a half this month just talking through this powerful book. And in many ways, I feel like we've just kind of scratched the surface. But I hope that for our listeners, we've given you this month something to think about if uh, you haven't taken the time this month. I would really encourage you just to spend some time even this weekend reading the book of James. You can read through it in much less time than we have spent talking about it, but we're not going to hit the depths of the wisdom preserved in this powerful book. I appreciate you joining me, Roger, in the studio these five Fridays in June. We appreciate all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. It very well may be you know someone who could benefit from this little five-part series. We would love it if you would take the time to share. But we hope this episode and the series has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.